I'm on the stern of the MV Columbia. It's a big ferry boat, 418 feet long, and room for almost 500 passengers. It makes me feel small and insignificant. In the moonlight, I can just make out the outline of mountains. We're heading north. I can't see it, but I know that the further we go, the more dramatic it gets. We're heading toward the land of extremes and toward the quiet. By we, I mean my boyfriend and me. The boat we're on is part of the Alaska Marine Highway System. The ferries connect parts of the state the way a road would. In Alaska, transportation can get creative. Sometimes it's pavement, but other times it's dirt roads, bush planes, boats, snow machine tracks. The journey is often the story. It's January, and to some people, we might seem like we're headed in the wrong direction. Toward the dark, toward the cold, toward the emptiness. But here, people don't see it that way. My name is Tony Tangs, and I work on, for the Alaska Marine Highway. Alaska still has an edge to it, and I like that. I like it that um, it's a small fish bowl, and you can be a bigger fish in a, in a smaller bowl. And um, it tends to make people bigger fish, I think. And you can become a bigger fish if you want to be. Tony's right. There's something about Alaska. Something like an edge, a challenge, something that pushes you, makes you want to grow. It makes you tougher, maybe. Makes you appreciate and makes you realize that you can when you didn't think you could. You've probably heard it. Alaska, the last frontier. A place where you can live your own way, build your own life, leave it all behind. It's inspired books and novels and attracted hermits, outcasts, and adrenaline junkies. It's big and dramatic and wild. And it's a place that's romanticized, for better or for worse. But a lot of that stuff is true, particularly in the place I'm headed to. You're about to hear the story of a place where people live on the edge, where they make their own rules about what constitutes a life. Out here, everyone is an individual. Out here, everything is just a little bit harder. Out here, some people are running away and running toward wilderness and freedom. Welcome to Out Here a podcast about what it takes to build a life, a community, and relationships at the end of the road in Alaska. The freedom of being out here is really what it comes down to, I mean. There's this edge about living out here that you have to be careful of. We take care of each other out here. It's nice. It's kind of like living on the moon. You know, like you're in our own little community out here. Like there's no one else to help us. It's just us. We all got to get along or, yeah. I mean, out here, you have a more direct relationship with your survival needs. I feel out here there's a lot of mini failures. One thing I've learned about living out here is I can't just talk myself out of being afraid. I have to face a fear 
work through it, and then it's behind me. We're out here for the lifestyle. We're out here to try and find some quiet. We're out here to challenge ourselves. We're out here, some people, to hide from the world. You're listening to Out Here, and I'm Mary McKinstry. I'm on a boat because I decided to move my life north, permanently this time. I bought a red pickup truck back in Missouri where I grew up and gave away anything that didn't fit in the back. It took a drive across the country, and this boat ride through the inside passage, and then an icy 756-mile drive through the Yukon all the way to Anchorage. That's where we find laundromats and grocery stores and gas stations, because we're headed somewhere where we don't have any of that. It's another long day's drive to the end of the road. That's what's tugging on me, that place out there in the middle of the wilderness. It's called McCarthy. It sits on the other side of a footbridge, surrounded by three mountain ranges and the country's largest national park. It's filled with relics of another era, when copper and gold mining fueled the population. But now, it's quiet. It's some of the most unadulterated wilderness I've ever seen. I'll let my friend Allie Towers take it from here. Imagine a place where dogs run free, where the sunshine glistening off the glacier shoots into your being and fills you up with beauty and glory. (laughs) Um, The paths are dirt. The people are dirty. (laughs) Okay, I love her laugh. But seriously. And just the... So nature, you are with nature and beautiful people, some incredible people. It's amazing the people you meet at the end of a dirt road, huh? I came out here to work a summer job like Allie and so many others, feeding off the tourism that swells in Alaskan summers. My story is not extraordinary, but I did decide to stay through the winter quiet and cold. And out here, I learned a completely different way of life, where you meet your basic needs on your own and learn to live without. Some people stumble upon this place. Others seek it out for its beauty. Some stay a year, and others stay their whole lives. One thing they definitely all have in common is that the society failed them in some way. Like, one way or another, either living in the cities didn't agree with them, their personalities wanted something more or wanted a lot less. That's Martin Robert Edelman Morrison. He grew up here, one of the few, and he's now 33. He says he's never leaving. His parents knew it was the best place, and he does too. It's a good place to become who you're trying to be instead of being who the world is trying to turn you, is trying to make you. Like the world's they came from I've never been to so I don't know (laughs) I only know who they are now and they seem happy they seem happier there's a certain acceptance here of different types of identities you can be religious atheist transgendered absolutely introverted sexist and environmentalist I could go on seen all shapes and sizes but it's not all rainbows and butterflies I mean, I often feel like I'm living in a storybook, but I know this place isn't for everyone. Most people live without running water, indoor plumbing, there's no grocery store or businesses in the winter, and weird things happen, like plastic shatters and frost creeps in at 30 below. A lot of times, it feels like everything is breaking. 
The winter population can dip down to only 20 or 30 people in December and January. The isolation in the dark gets to some people, myself included. Some would say there is a drinking problem here, and people do use this place to run away from the world. I've heard it called Never Never Land, a town full of lost boys building their own forts. And there are loose cannons. In the 80s, a guy who'd been living here about eight months murdered six people in town, and is still imprinted in the memory of this place. Here's Stevens Harper, the area's lead law enforcement park ranger. You know, that, that of course, weighs on a lot of people's minds pretty heavily. Um, we want to we wanna believe that everybody in this community is happy and mentally stable and, and whatnot, but, but that's a, we all know that that's not true. Plenty of people flounder here. There is no Alaska Native community, not a whole lot of wisdom that gets passed down through generations, and less people live a subsistence lifestyle than in other parts of remote Alaska. There was never enough game to support permanent settlements here. White people only came here because of copper and gold, and it's still pretty much just white people today. People that have been privileged enough to decide to live without. There are people who burn plastic and leave their trash out, and then bears get in it, and then the bears end up getting shot. Some people want more services, and some people want less. There's community, and then there's rugged individualism, and they don't always mix well. Here's Tamara Harper, who's married to Stevens and runs a and b in town. It's an intense place to live. It can be intensely wonderful in any number of ways. And for us, over the years, more than once, it has been intensely frustrating, annoying, maddening. There are plenty of people who come out here, build a house, and then leave. This is how longtime resident John Adams describes it. It's the end of the road. There's a beauty here and a peacefulness, and people want it. They build their cabin or whatever, and then they move on. In the process of doing it, they lost what they came here for. McCarthy is both close and far from progress. It's not exactly like you're walking back in time 100 years or something. Although there are people out here who do live that way still. It's seen a lot of change in recent decades as technology and tourism have touched it. It's a weird juxtaposition, sitting in your outhouse in the middle of the wilderness using your 4G iPhone to buy things on Amazon Prime. Something some people only dream about. Heading to the Alaskan wilderness, living in a cabin in the woods, growing a little garden. But what's it really like? That's what we'll discuss on Out Here. How and why people ended up at the end of the road and what it takes to build a life, a community, and relationships here. You ready for this journey? For Out Here, I'm Erin McKinstry. 